Maybe I should even mute my own phone. Hey. Oh, hey, we're on. <laughs> you know what's so funny? Um, I, I told you, I go, hey, make sure you mute your phone. And I just realized as I was looking down, I myself am un not muted. <laughs> I, I don't know, like with all your shows, like on your live streams and, and broadcasts, like, do you ever do that? And you're like, oh, I'm such a naughty, naughty. I don't do as I say. Oh, people. all the time. Do as I say. You, you know what I love about um, like just being, just creating some level of digital content hmm. is that um, for me at least, because I do this every week, is people tell me all the time, like, oh, you know, you, I watched you the other day. It was so much fun, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, that's awesome. Why don't you do it yourself? Oh, no, I would look like an idiot. I'm like, you can't look more of an idiot than I do. Like, they, <laughs> I don't, I've been doing this for years and I don't think I've ever had a show that ever went off without a hitch of some component. I mean, I don't think you give yourself enough credit. Like doing stuff live in general is such a hard thing to accomplish without any sort of mistakes. If you can't just roll with it, then, you know, you're, you're not, it's not authentic, right? Like it's not authentic. There isn't a hiccup somewhere. Yeah, no, that's true. That's true. Okay. You make me feel good. So Joyce, my friend, are you ready for the mic is listening? Oh, absolutely. Ooh, that, that, that pause there worried me for just a quick second. I was like, oh, damn, I, I guess we're done. Oh, well, it was a good time. All right, Joyce, let's see this girl. The mic is listening. 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 And good morning. Welcome everyone to the mic is listening. And as like I mentioned before, nothing goes right. I was so busy doing something else that I forgot to like change up screen, but screw it. We're just gonna have some fun today because you know why? I love talking about so many different topics and one of which is always about the future. So it's almost like a crystal ball type thing where how much fun is it to just surmise about what the potential of anything could be your love life, your career, Oh, I don't know what's going to happen in the next 30 minutes in our conversation, those kind of random things. And so I invited Joyce Dooley, who is with Z Prime. She's a senior research and content analyst um, and also overall B-A-D-A-S-S, -S, let's just be honest, to kind of help bring me back down a little bit more to reality because um, for many of you know that my background's in technology and I familiar with the concepts of talking about internet of things, smart cities, just what's our future city and experience is going to look like. And uh, apparently Joyce here is like super pro and hella knowledgeable, but also a huge fan of a band that I love, which is called the Decemberists. And I don't think she knew that. So for those, I'm just, you know what? Shit. Shoot. Joyce, welcome to the mic is listening. Thank you so much for having me and what an introduction. I'm just so touched that I get to hang out with you today and talk about all kinds of cool things that we both love. How is it better than that? I, I can't even begin to tell you how much I freaking love the Decemberists. In fact, that was one of the things distracting is I forgot to actually put the picture up, but I have a poster. I actually did the, um, uh, they were in town. I go to concerts all the time. I think we talked about it and I didn't have time to upload it. So just everyone just roll with me. I have that hanging on my wall. Oh, yeah. Wait, 
maybe I could like can it be straight? Oh, I don't I don't I don't know if it's gonna zoom in enough. But anyway, and I forced my boyfriend to take me to their concert. He's not a big fan, but he did enjoy the live show. He said they're a pretty good band. I go, hell yeah, they are. Not only are they great to listen to, but they're amazing live. Oh, I bet. I haven't seen them live, unfortunately, but I absolutely love pretty much anything that they put out. So Joyce. 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 <laughs> Girl, you are oh my gosh. It was like I had heard their great live, mm -hmm. but I was so blown away by the talent on the stage. And I mean, I see concerts quite a bit and I could tell you they're probably one of my top 10 like favorite bands to watch for sure. Okay. Well, that means that I just have to make it happen at some point. I'm a little, I'm a, I'm a little shocked. Not going to lie. <laughs> Not going. No, they're, they're awesome. So, okay. So let us talk about you for a second, my friend. So everyone, by the way, Please hit up the Decembers. Check them out. They're so good. Um, trust me on this. And they, they're just, just the, the lyrics. I'm not normally a lyrics person. Yeah. But Colin, I guess the lead singer and the songwriter, his, his poetry, he literally writes poems and sings to it. And it just, the musicality, musicianship, lyrics, all put together, just hella cool. Hella cool. O Valencia is probably one of my favorites. Although Here I Was an Architect is another great one. Um, so, Okay. Oh, Crane. Crane's wife. Crane's yeah, wife is Crane's wife is just, I mean, it's so beautiful. The poetry like you were talking about and just the storytelling that they do with that album is just amazing. Oh, yes. I'm going to cry a little bit. Okay, so on that note, well, speaking of which then, so in the future, because you will be attending a concert and seeing them, you know, if I were to think about like the future experience, like, um, and I'm going to go see them in downtown Dallas is where I'm located, San Antonio for you. Um, where do you envision something that experience of going to? Like, what would you say? Like, would I go into my like self-driving car and like get there and my tickets would be, I don't know, on my phone or maybe on my purse, like virtually, like they tag you with a bracelet or something. What do you, how would you envision that flow to look based on what you're seeing right now with cool technologies? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably imagine that if you wanted to have like a seamless experience with going for entertainment purposes, something like what they do at Disneyland or Disney World, where you have like a bracelet or you've got, you know, a patch on your phone or something where you can just walk seamlessly from your car into the venue. Or in some places, if some cities are thinking ahead, like using a vertiport to fly into the venue uh, instead of drive. Uh, and then seamlessly have your walk-in experience. And then you can use your phone to like have notifications that ping, like, you know, whatever sort of food or beverages come to you at your seat. And then you can pay remotely or, you know, with just the tap of your phone. Um, and then you can sit there and enjoy the experience and have a very similar experience when you walk out, just show up, walk in, sit down, get up and walk out whenever you're done. Um, I think that's going to be the future of entertainment uh, at some point. <laughs> I think what you just described, it would be like my dream. Like, <laughs> like for, for as much as I go, like the convenience of it, just because really what we're looking at and we're talking about future city experience, living experience, society is minimizing friction, right? Mm -hmm. Like we're, we're just trying to enable the experience of our normal life, much like we would going to the concert like as Disneyland would right so is that really what you're doing because that's kind of how I when people ask me like okay when you talk about folks that are talking about the future 
of the city urban suburban living um, design, the technology involved around it. I think of Disneyland, maybe because I used to work there back in the day was mm-hmm. you go in there and you're submerged, you're, you're, you're just submerged into the world. Immersive, you're, it's an immersive experience. Mm-hmm. Is that what we're basically trying to say is we're bringing reality, reality to that Disneyland concept? Like, I think we are not going to see that for some time, to be honest with you. And not because it's not a thing that could be talked about. Like, I think having a seamless experience at a, as a citizen in a city, right, being able to use your phones to access services, to file reports, to get permits, to do a whole bunch of things rather than having to go in person is definitely huge. Being able to have potentially like, they've talked about having um, cryptocurrency or digital coins for paying for services within the community, being able to vote electronically from your mobile phone. Those kinds of things are being discussed, but what's really like, coming to the forefront right now is just looking how equity plays a huge role in a community and how do you increase access to services and improve quality of life to residents through technology services and applications. Um, That's really what people are focusing on right now. I think eventually we will see a lot of this seamless experience, this Disneyland high of I can just show up and walk in or I don't have to even go into anything um, I can do it all from my phone or from the comfort of my home. Um, but we're just not there yet. Well, you've just, you've just like burst my bubble. <laughs> I was kind of hoping like, so is it coming? Is it coming? Is it today? Is it going to happen? Uh, well, why not? Why can't, why can't I have my experience today? Um, I think it has less to do about whether or not the technology is available. Um, it has a lot more to do about <laughs> the needs of a community. And there's such a struggle right now with cities and civic leaders who are trying to implement technologies in the, in the community. Like we have real challenges that need immediate solutions. And when you're planning for future things, you have to put the infrastructure in first, but it's at, there's a constant tension between solving future problems and solving current needs. And so that's where the struggle is. Like, I think if we wanted to have a Disneyland experience, a lot of emphasis would get placed on those kinds of technologies without necessarily being able to focus on, you know, the processes that need to come in, the culture of innovation that has to be established in a community and a lot of work that has to be done on the back end. That's not so sexy. That has a lot to do with like procurement and implementing things at scale. Um, that's the, those are my thoughts. Again, burst in my bubble here, girl. Like, okay, <laughs> look, I, I again, thought of my like little Jetson worldview, right? Like as a mm. child, we all grew up. Okay, maybe not. I wasn't a child during Jetsons, okay? I'm just saying after maybe round two of the Jetsons, I just realized how old they were. I'm like, damn, I'm not that old. Um, <laughs> kind of close, but not quite. Uh, let's talk about that because um, as end users, we don't necessarily understand what you meant by infrastructure. So right. what does that foundation really mean? What are you talking about when you say infrastructure? Because the buildings are physically there. Right. So what is it? So it could have a lot to do with having sensor technologies deployed to be able to have a seamless walk-in experience. A lot of beaconing technology that gets used in maybe a retail environment like the Amazon's Go stores where you could just walk in with your phone and just like pick up all of your groceries and then walk out. A lot of those technologies and sensors are not deployed at scale in cities or communities where people are just being followed digitally. 
to guide them where they need to be or to be able to say, hey, it seems you're in the permitting office. Do you need this kind of a form and have it just appear on your mobile phone? Those kinds of things would have to be put in place. So that's the, the some of the physical infrastructure is more like device infrastructure that would need to be put there. The same thing is true with like the connectivity, right? We don't have widespread connectivity across communities, particularly in rural areas and underserved communities and a lot of urban areas too, don't have consistent internet connections. Um, and so to have a truly seamless experience, you have to think about where would you have that and who would it serve and who would it benefit the most? And if you don't have the digital infrastructure or the connectivity in place, then there are gonna be a lot of people who are maybe not having who are not going to be able to access it and have, you know, services in that sense. So you have connectivity issues, you have device deployments that maybe need to get made. And then sometimes too, like there is physical infrastructure that needs to get put in place, like having smart streetlights and stop lights. That's physical stuff that needs to be put in the ground in order to then have some kind of digital relationship between the end user and the infrastructure. Okay, you said stoplights. I thought that I thought that was already gridded in some capacity, right? Because at least for me, every time I freaking drive down the road, I hit every fracking red light <laughs> possible. I feel like I feel like my car's got is the trigger sensor. Like yeah. I thought that I thought they had timing and all that already. Is it just a mechanical preordained timing thing? Or I thought I thought it had the ability to know when flow was going to kind of like know that maybe this light is a little bit longer because there's a lot more cars traveling. Yeah, I mean, there's some of that already, but like having the the systems be able to tie into other systems too, and like from a truly smart city perspective, being able to have your traffic light systems be able to report to your emergency services, for instance, to be able to, you know, help with route optimization to make sure that they get to where they need to be on time, that they do manage to hit a bunch of green lights in an emergency situation where, you know, they're not being stalled by traffic or congestion. Um, those are part of those things as well. Um, and there's a lot of old infrastructure, right? Old streetlights, old stoplights, old things that need to be replaced or yeah. enhanced. And that doesn't happen on a dime. And so, you know, what you could refurbish or, you know, um, yeah, I guess refurbish isn't quite the word, but retrofit, you know, old systems and old infrastructure with new technology or new applications is really important, but it's also very costly. So, mm you know, how do you plan to build for the new with what you currently have without ripping everything up and replacing? Um, or how do you find the budget to do the rip and replace? And that lies the problem when there's no money, ain't nothing changing. Okay. So Patik, thank you so much for commenting on this is a uh, fingers crossed. We make it a utopian world and not a dystopian one. So my reply I discreetly did was, I don't know, man pandemic was interesting. So, <laughs> so, so let's talk about yes. this. Um, so fingers crossed utopian versus dystopian, because as you were talking, the first thing that came out of my head, which probably shouldn't be what I talk about initially, but I thought about it and I think it's acceptable to share, sure. but yeah. Um, the, okay. The security implications. Like I don't want to be tracked. I turn my GPS on my phone, knowing full well, even if I had the Wi-Fi on, right. Or this phone is still getting tracked no matter what I do or no matter mm -hmm. what I say. So I've already bought into the idea and concept of this, right? Like, um, but I still wonder what are the security implications for having sensors everywhere? Is this going to be a big brother? Um, you know, uh, in order for us to have the convenience of what we want, that frictionless movement of things, mm. are we opening ourselves to say, okay, but I'm giving up my certain segments of 
freedom? That those are some really great questions and points. And I also hope, you know, that we build a utopian world and not a dystopian one, because it's very easy to put systems in place with the best intentions that scale and end up leaving a lot of people out um, or at worst, you know, end up running amok. Um, to your question or to your point about security and privacy with these kinds of systems in place, I think a lot of it has to do with how your local government and state governments are approaching these kinds of technologies and best practices. So for instance, in the city of San Antonio, there's a digital bill of rights that's being drafted that's going to look at these technologies that are being implemented in the city and how do we ensure the privacy and protect the security of our residents as we enhance the communications technologies and all this other stuff you know, what does it ultimately mean for the citizen to have rights to them, their own privacy and their own data and that kind of stuff. There are other cities that are also looking at data governance and that are looking at, you know, policing is a huge question mark. Like how, if yeah. we have these constant monitoring systems in place, what does that do to policing? How do we make sure that that's not being misused and people are being profiled unnecessarily and a bunch of other stuff? Like a lot of cities, are opting out of having those kinds of technologies put in place right now because they know they can't manage them well yet and they don't have the right processes or policies in place to ensure that people are protected. So I would say for people who are curious about what's happening in their own communities, go get involved, be vocal, join committees, you know, learn what your local government is doing to implement these kinds of technologies and voice your concerns because it's not that they will do it without you, but if you don't have a say in it, then you don't necessarily have an idea of what's really going on in this process as they roll it out. And because this could have real serious implications on, you know, your well-being as a resident or a citizen, like you should be involved. And so that's what I got. I love that. Get yourself educated. And I'm not talking about, oh, pet peeve. Yeah. I'm not talking about freaking reading headlines. Okay, people. <laughs> like do actual research of your own, vary your resources. I used to say this all the time, do the research, do the research, educate yourself. Now I'm going to add an additional uh, comment is vary your resources. Don't rely on just one publication. I don't care how much you love that one publication. Get a publication that you know might be counter. Get two different opinions. That way you can form your own opinion and you're not repeating rhetoric. Let me try it one more time. Get multiple resources so you're not repeating rhetoric. That's my, oh, I should have made that my, I should have made that my rant this morning. <laughs> and no, not because November 8th is coming up and it's, uh, you know, voting time, folks. Just saying. No, there's so much happening all around us all the time. Like technology is on this trajectory where we're just, there's so much happening. There's so much changing. There's so much new that's being put in place with technology that I would call enablers right, that enable us to do bigger, grander things at scale with systems in our governments, as well as in our economy that will impact us moving forward. And so we need to be informed continuously, which is tiring at times, because there is so much to go through, which is why if you start where you're at locally, because you're going to see what's affecting you the most there, right, just get involved locally, and then expand your reach as you become more aware of what's happening. Because it can be overwhelming to look at the big picture without understanding how it's going to impact you in the immediate future. It's all about me, right? It's all about you. <laughs> it's all about you. Yep. All about me, about you, about we, it's all about they, we, whatever. Okay. So 
some random person here named Jax Dawes, apparently, is coming in. Coming in hot. How do we keep everyone in sync as one technology changes? How do integrations not break so easily? And how do we see industry standards helping? Uh, I have my thoughts on industry <laughs> standards. Okay. Okay, Mr. Ask 15 questions, but also full credit, Mr. Jax Dawes introduced Joyce and me. So if anyone's curious, so uh, we, we had a we had a wonderful email exchange and uh, that's how Joyce and I met. So Joyce, which do you want to answer some of these questions, my friends? I mean, yeah, way to go, Jax, for throwing us a whole bunch of things. Um, nope, I, nope. Yeah, thank you, Sherlock. <laughs> casual combo. No, I, I mean, it's going to be really complicated to keep everybody in sync, especially, too, when you have, like, there are some standards and some, you know, coalitions that are coming together to create standardization across the industry with protocols and policies. And, I mean, IEEE is doing stuff. You know, the Laura Alliance is doing things. And then you have like state policy stuff like California has an Internet of Things policy that they rolled out, you know, but in the U.S. like there's not necessarily like a big standard set of practices, though there is stuff coming out underneath the White House administration when we're looking at telecommunications infrastructure and how do we set new standards? How do we move forward on that measure? Um, but in order for us to stay in sync, we have to keep talking to each other and we have to be actively involved in what's going on. So if you are an engineer or you are a developer or you are a founder or a business owner and you're not involved in these standardization practices, like get involved because that's going to help set the market moving forward. That's going to help drive what's getting adopted. And that's also going to help us stay on top of things and be in sync with each other. Look at you. Okay, so as one technology changes, how do integrations not break so easily? Because, oh, we know this. Okay, this is one of my other pet peeves from a technology perspective. I am so tired of proprietary bullshit. Like, I hate, and I, oh, I'll say it, I hate companies that force you down proprietary track, Apple, you know, that make you go with, oh, if you go with our one solution, you have to buy an entire suite to get the full package. I hate that because I'm a huge fan of open standards. Like I feel like in order for true innovation, you've got to have the ability of having multiple minds, multiple yeah. perspectives, multiple opportunity to, to see a solution differently. It's not about the greed of all in one solution. So how do you do integrations um, when we do have that challenge between open source and anti open source assholes? Not biased. I mean, of course. No, I, uh, I completely hear you and I agree with you. And if I was a stronger technologist, I'd have some sort of like technical answer to provide you. But honestly, like not having interoperability between services makes it really complicated for people who are not enthusiasts or specialists to come in and to set up these systems or these applications correctly. And so it takes a lot of effort. If you are kind of like me, where you're not a traditional technologist, you want something that's going to come up out of the box and work for you, but is not necessarily um, locking one particular, you know, set of solutions or standards, like it's complicated. And I don't have a full answer for you in terms of how we can fix that other than we need to continue to push open source, we need to continue to push collaboration, and we need to push for interoperability between services and platforms. Okay, so I love that. So in that case, then, so industry standards, I feel like getting an industry standard in line is like, bureaucracy like amped up a billion times politics comes into play i mean it happens i mean we will get industry standards but it, i feel like it's at the cost of true innovation 
So where are we at? Is there a governing body that is overarching for this discussion when it comes to like, you know, the future of, I guess, smart cities? Is that the correct term anymore? I don't even know. Smart world? Connected world, yeah. I guess. <laughs> I mean, so how the U.S. has kind of approached funding this has been interesting. There's a lot of emphasis right now on infrastructure and telecommunications work that needs to be done, yes. which is great because that is something that has needed to happen for quite some time. But in terms of like what's really guiding us in other countries, there have been like massive amounts of investments going around from the top down about how they're going to be approaching smart cities within their communities. Here, it's mostly left to like the state and local governments to figure out, okay, what does this mean for us? How do we approach this? So there's a lot of ad hoc things that are going on in the US. That doesn't mean that there aren't people doing great work. Like I would highly recommend US Ignite. I would highly recommend the Smart Cities Connect people. There are other people who are doing some really great work too that are just like, you know, at a more local level. Um, Jennifer Sanders uh, with the Dallas Innovation Alliance has yeah. created uh, a regional coalition of people that are working together across a couple of different states in the Southwest region uh, around smart cities. So I got to throw a shout out to her for that. Um, there are even some small cities that are banding together to put together RFPs to ultimately serve a stronger purpose or a call to action than if they had just, you know, independently done it. So there's a way for vendors to work differently with communities too. I think from an industry perspective, there's been a lot of lead in and a lot of heavy uh, emphasis on technology solutions for cities to have to kind of maybe move into a proprietary situation. And a lot of cities are not wanting to do that. A lot of cities are wanting to have vendor ecosystems open up, really figure out what makes the most sense for their communities, and then build into that uh, sort of direction. So I think there's some communication between industry people and cities that need to continue to happen to really change the vendor relationship. So I love that you've mentioned Jennifer because Don Kenzie, I don't know if you know her. Don used to work at Accenture. I'm sorry, Don, if I'm telling your life history on, on this live stream, but anyway, I met uh, Dawn at the Tech Startup Week in Dallas, and uh, she's a huge proponent for the Dallas Innovation Alliance, which is Jennifer's uh, org, right, that we, I think we were talking about. So um, let me just go ahead and text her. Shout out to you. I just love doing ads to people who may or may not be on this live stream. We'll find out. They see it. But no, I love that because I think these alliances has to happen because it does build up that community of like, okay, so as these governing bodies that haven't quite maybe be fully coalesced or gelled at least at a local perspective there is a at least our community locally of which we're actually physically immersed in um is communicating i think that's exciting so um what where do you see the next generation so from here if for those that don't know anything about this but they're intrigued too um outside of these uh, great alliances like you know dallas innovation alliance for example these organizations what else would you suggest they do to reach out even more locally? Would you say get involved uh, in your city uh, meetings, planning? Is it city planning discussion? Like what, what type of meetings would you physically go to that would involve this type of conversation? So the first and foremost thing is get involved with your local council district. So whoever is your council person in your district, I would go to their office and I would find out what kinds of meetings they're having, 
that pertain to technology implementation or smart cities. And if there currently isn't any specific one yet, because that's still a relatively new area for a lot of cities, I would look into like what's happening from a public health and safety perspective. What's going on from the digital divide perspective? That's a huge topic of conversation right now. So you can just reach out to your local council person and find out what's going on in that perspective. There are definitely committee meetings. So like housing is huge. I would definitely look at um, capital projects and planning because the infrastructure that's going into place um, and then transportation is also a massive part of mobility is a huge part of this concept too. So looking in those areas will definitely start to kind of pull the threads of where you can be involved. I was very fortunate that, you know, the work that I did in San Antonio kept me involved in what was going on from a city perspective, but we also had an innovation and technology committee that was made up of council people as well as small business owners and other sort of technology founders and things like that in the city that would help guide policy and really look at what was happening from that perspective. So see if your city has something like that as well. Oh my God. I, you know, you're such a wealth of information. And I just got to tell you, Joyce, like I knew when we chatted, I'm like, Oh, I love this girl. I, <laughs> on, on multiple levels. I do love you because you know why you know how to speak in layman's terms. Like, you know how to like, as I affectionately like to say, dumb it down. And I love that. And you know why you know how to dumb it down? Hmm. Because rumor has it, you too have your own <laughs> show, darling. So talk to me. Talk to me, Goose, about City Chats with Joyce on Z Prime's YouTube channel. Yeah, thank you so much. I mean, I absolutely adore you. So I'm so glad that Jack's got us connected because I think this is a match made in heaven. Um, City Chats with Joyce really got started, uh, I think, almost a year and a half to maybe two years ago. And what that is is 10 to 15 minute interviews with civic and community leaders, industry experts and startup companies working in smart cities. And it really wants to highlight different elements in the conversation. There's a lot of material to go read about smart cities. There's a lot of lengthy videos um, and webinars and things like that that you can tune into. But this is supposed to be super consumable, very conversational and in informative about what's going on in smart cities across the U.S. Um, I would love to expand it to what's happening in smart cities in other countries as well. But for right now, we're really focusing on what's going on in the U.S. And there's some really cool projects that are coming out um, here in the next couple of months that I think are going to be really interesting for people. Dude, I, 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 I'm telling you, I, I enjoyed listening, A, probably because I just love you. But secondly, it's so cool. It's, the conversations are just fascinating because I'm technical enough to be dangerous. So I understand concepts. Yeah. But seeing you talk to these people actually in a private and public sector, like, Things are happening. Things are happening and um, it's coming, right? It's coming. And I think that's what's, again, educate yourself. And um, I, I just I just absolutely love that. So City Chats with Joyce. So Z Prime's website or YouTube channel is um, forward slash C forward slash Energy Thoughts Summit. Don't go to just Z Prime on YouTube. It's, that's not the channel. Just just to clarify everyone, because uh, that's what I did this morning. And I was like, <laughs> I'm like one follower. I'm like, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. So you need to tell your yeah. branding marketing people. Um, yeah, we're working on it. And then I'll also oops, hold on a second here. Wait, I'll keep that one on. And then ooh, wait, I want to take that one down. Like I said, hey, peoples, back off. I only done it for the last two years. OK, let me take <laughs> that off. Wait, what am I doing? Oh, my gosh. This is what happens when I get overly excited. So Jax has yet another additional comment I want to share here. There was a recent report that noted that the digital gap is caused more by telecoms not wanting to put resources toward closing the gap. 
How do you get the telecoms to find the ROI to close the gap? Oh, that is a really you rattling chains here, mister. I know. Way to stir the pot, Jack. Um, yeah, that's a huge thing, right? Like, because there's not enough density in certain areas for telecoms to go put infrastructure out, um, to justify the ROI yet. Um, but as urbanization continues, I think that they're going to have to expand their territories regardless. So they better be ready to put in some additional infrastructure, but there's some really creative solutions. And I have to give a shout out to one of Z Prime's partner organizations, uh, the New York Power Authority, NIPA, for having a utility perspective come in and solve the digital divide. And that is really interesting when you're looking at how communities are having to be creative in solving these challenges because the telecommunications industry, for whatever reason, is not closing those gaps. And so mm-hmm. utilities are stepping up, cities are trying to find creative ways as well private um, networks are being deployed to also encourage this. And so I would highly check out and see what like NIPA is doing with their utility projects. And since they're a state utility, they're happening in, in not just in one city in New York, but in multiple cities across New York state. Um, nice. So it doesn't answer your question directly, Jax, about how we're going to get telecoms to change their model. But I think it's going to put some pressure on them to be creative themselves uh, if utilities are stepping up to fill in those gaps. Ooh, one hundo. And that's that's a very interesting thing is telco and utilities is crossing over. That hasn't really it's unprecedented in that way. So, no, that's really interesting. And coming from the telco background, uh, that is oh, I'm like, ooh, I'm like itching now. Joyce, we can keep talking about this all day. <laughs> and I love I love, love, love you because um you know, when I think of music, I think of us having the concert experience and like how that mm. would look and, you know, overall what that means for our future society. I I think we can definitely keep talking about this. So I'd love to have you back for a, I would love uh, a longer back. convo if you if you're open for it. And then, of course, sure. everyone, please just to make sure here to check her out on City Chats with Joyce. You guys really it, it's really good conversation. Highly recommend it. For those that want to get a hold of you, Joyce, how can they get a hold of you? Well, you can find me on LinkedIn. It's pretty easy. Um, my last name makes it really easy to find me. Um, but you can also email me at joyce.dooley at zprime.com. And happy to speak to anybody who wants to have a chat. Awesome. Thank you so very much. Oh, my gosh. So anyone that is, has questions, you can always hit up on LinkedIn as well, I believe. Because yep. uh, it's kind of how we also chatted up. And um, Joyce Dooley is with Z Prime. Thank you so much for coming to the mic. I love you. That was great. I love you too. Thank you so much. This was great. Awesome, guys. Okay, see you next week. Thanks for coming.